All right, the book of Ezekiel this morning, the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, and we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter number 14, and I'll give you about 22 minutes to find uh, the book of Ezekiel this morning, and uh, we'll look in Ezekiel, and I want you to find Ezekiel chapter number 14. We'll read our text from Ezekiel 14, but then we're going to spend uh, the remainder of the message in the book of Daniel, which is the next book. And so uh, if you want to go ahead and find uh, the book of Daniel as well, uh, we'll read from the book of Ezekiel, and then we'll take our message from the book of Daniel. And I believe uh, this message is going to be a help to us this morning, and I look forward to seeing how God uses His Word in our life today. Ezekiel chapter number 14 and we find ourselves, and I'll give you a little background before we begin reading in the book of Ezekiel, uh, chapter number 14. Of course, Ezekiel, the Old Testament prophet, is uh, giving uh, a, a message uh, there's going to be judgment come. And so we pick up in Ezekiel chapter 14, and I want to begin reading with uh, verse number uh, 12 of Ezekiel 14. Uh, the word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out mine hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and I will cut off man and beast from it. This is not my message this morning, but it is a, it is a serious and a frightening thing to cross the line to where God sends His judgment. It is a, it is a we do not take it serious enough in this world we live in today. And it's just as a reminder, but look at verse 14. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. If I cause noisome beasts to pass through the land, and they spoil it so that it be desolate, that no man may pass through because of the beast. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall del deliver neither their sons nor daughters, they only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. Or if I bring a sword upon that land and say, Sword, go through the land, so that I cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. Or if I send a pestilence into the land and pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast, Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. What a sobering passage of Scripture to hear the voice of God as He declares that He's going to bring judgment. find it very interesting and just... To be very transparent this morning, when I read this passage of Scripture, I've never read it when it has not made me stop and pause and consider what is being said. I've never gone through my Bible reading, uh, read it, uh, doing some study in this book of the Bible, and every time I read it, this is a passage of Scripture that gets my attention. I'm reminded of God's judgment. What grasps my attention is that in the midst of all of this, there's three names that are mentioned. Three names that are on the mind of God. Three names that are set as an example of what God's people should be. 
This morning, we don't have time to look at all three of these, but I want us to look at Daniel this morning. And we're going to spend our time in the message this morning on this thought, and we're going to look at what makes Daniel great. God did not just pull three names out of random and throw them out there. There are three names that are on the mind of God that he used on purpose. And we're going to look at one this morning, Daniel, and what made Daniel great. Father, I pray that you would use your word this morning. We need you. We need your word. May the Spirit of God speak to us today. May the Spirit of God work in our service today. Father, if you have not worked in our hearts today, we've just simply wasted our time. And Father, I pray that as we look at the life of Daniel, may we see uh, the, the reality of the things that made him uh, great in your eyes. And Father, I pray that we would take those same truths and we would incorporate them into our own life. And Father, I pray if there's one unsaved this morning, may they realize their need of salvation. May they call on the name of Jesus today. We'll give you the honor and glory for what you do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look in the book of Ezekiel, and we'll move to the book of Daniel in just a, a brief moment. By the mouth of the prophet Ezekiel, the message of judgment is preached. It's coming to Israel. God's people have crossed a line to which there is no return. They have invoked the judgment of God. And might I remind us again, God is a loving God. God is a long-suffering God. But God is a just God. And he will give us what we deserve. They've crossed the point of no return. In the midst of God proclaiming his judgment, in the midst of his uh, fire of judgment, if you will, and what he's going to do, he mentions three men, and he mentions Noah, Daniel, and Job. We're going to look closely at Daniel this morning, but it's important for us to understand that he mentions these three men and what he says, if, if, if Noah, Daniel, and Job were alive, it would not spare the people of the judgment. God says, in the midst of my anger, in the midst of my justice, in the midst of the judgment that I'm going to proclaim, if Noah... Daniel and Job were alive, it would not spare the people. Now, there are times that we can think of when Moses, on behalf of the people, prayed to God and God stayed his hand of judgment. There are other examples of that, but God is saying in this situation, if Noah, Daniel, and Job were here, it would not stop the judgment. The only three that would be spared is Noah, Daniel, and Job. Those three are different than everybody else. He goes on to even say that his judgment is going to is so sure and it's going to take place that if Noah, Daniel, and Job were alive, it would not even save their families. That's how far God's people had gone. But it would save Noah, Daniel, and Job. Here's just a, a lesson for you and I, and it's not my message this morning. But let me just say in our own nation... America has earned the judgment of God. And we need to hear this, and it's not popular even amongst God's people. Say, well, uh, the Democrats fixed an election. No, the Bible teaches us that we get the leaders we deserve. I know we don't like to hear that, 
But that's the truth. We have earned the judgment of God. If you'll permit me for just a minute, I'm going to do it whether you do or not. But it's a shame that in our nation, we're still talking about whether or not somebody has a right to murder their unborn child. We want to debate, and there's states in our nation that protect the right of, quote-unquote, doctors to mutilate children. Not because they're confused about their gender, but because they're sadistic enough to want to do that to a child. We're trying to debate whether or not there's more than a boy and a girl. We have earned the judgment of God. That very thought, the wickedness, the, the, the mockery that takes place in our nation, it ought to cause God's people to fall on their face and beg God for mercy. Friend, God's judgment isn't coming. God's judgment is already here. And it's going to continue to come. Pastor, I came to get encouraged today. Here's your encouragement. Noah, Daniel, Job. That even when God sends his judgment, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Even when God says the people have passed the point, Nothing is going to stop my judgment. Daniel would have been spared. Even as the, the pestilence are going to come, the, 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 the enemies of God's people are going to come, and, and the land is going to be desolated, Job would have been spared. Friend, what a wonderful thought that even in the midst of God's judgment on a land and on a people, that you can find grace. You can find mercy. Well, that gets my attention. As a preacher of the gospel and as, a, as, a, as, a, as God's voice through his word, I want to remind all of us, and, and if I had the ear of a, of a nation today, I would say judgment is coming, judgment is here, fall on your face and beg God for mercy. But if we're unwilling to do that, what must I do, what must you do in order to find grace? I believe if we study the life of Noah, Daniel, and Job, we can see some things of why it was that they got God's attention in the way they did. As God is, is reminding through Ezekiel, this is what's coming. He says, there's nothing that's going to change it. Even if Noah were here. Even if Daniel were here. Even if Job were here, the judgment is going to come. I'd spare them. But friend, may we grab a hold of this today and say, what is it that made Noah... What is it that made Daniel and what is it that made Job different from everybody else? We certainly don't have time this morning to go through all three of this, these men. I don't think we have time to go through Daniel this morning, but we're going to give it a shot to look at some things that made Daniel great in the mind of God. This morning, I've got five things that I find as a synopsis of Daniel's life. If we can, 
if we can put it all into one little um, outline this morning, this is what I would do. And let me first of all say what made Daniel great is number one, he separated himself from the world's defilement. If we look at Daniel chapter number one, if you want to turn in your Bible there, we're going to go look at five different places in the book of Daniel this morning with the time we have. But in Daniel chapter number one, we know the story. He and others were taken out of cap- in captivity out of his land, away from his family, away from everything he knew, and now he's in a pagan land. Chapter 1, verse number 8, perhaps we know this verse well, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the princes of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Why is it that when God declared his judgment, he said if Daniel was here, it wouldn't stay back the hand of judgment, but I would spare him. As I look at Daniel's life, and I've, I've spent this entire week and some time looking in the book of Daniel, I said, I want to know what it is about Daniel. And there's so much prophecy there. But if you look at his life, he, there was a time in his life when he purposed, he decided, I will not defile myself by this world's defilement. That got God's attention. His lifestyle was not going to be like everybody else's lifestyle. The whole context of Daniel chapter number 1 and, and the king's meat and, and ended up being 10 times better is they were trying to change him from a, from a Hebrew to a pagan. You're in a different land now. We're going to change your, your, your name. We're going to change your diet. We're going to change your lifestyle. We're going to change the way you, you think. We're going to change your language. We're going to change everything about you. But Daniel decided he would not defile himself. May God's people get to a place, yes, God's judgment can be pronounced, but if I want to get God's attention where he looks down from heaven and in his justice as he sends the judgment, he says, I, find, I can find grace in his eyes. There must be a time when we decide that we're not going to defile ourselves by this world. It is still in the Bible that a child of God should be different from this world. And I believe a great downfall of God's people is we've never decided not to defile ourselves. Instead, it's, is it really that big of a deal? See, there's a different mindset that Daniel had. Well, the world accepts it. Daniel said, in the eyes of God, I'll be defiling myself. Well, it's just the vernacular of the day. Daniel said, if I say those words, I defile myself. Well, it's just the entertainment of the day. And Daniel said, if I participate in that, then I defile myself. Well, it's just, it's just the reality of it. There's no way to, to stay out of it. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself. What would God's people say? I know I live in a pagan world today, but I'm not going to defile myself. Well, these young people sit over here and throughout the building, you listen to me, don't you defile yourself by this world. So, oh, I just want to be like everybody else. Don't defile yourself by this world. Parents, you need to watch over your children. The the entertainment of this day will defile them. The education system of the day will defile them. The system that we live in today will defile them. Oh, I want to have mercy like Daniel would have had. Well, don't defile yourself. 
Let me just say this this morning. If you have, and it's quite, it's difficult in this world to not be defiled by this world. You know what every person in this room needs to do today? Say, from this day forward, I will not defile myself. From this day forward, I'm getting out of that junk that I've been in. From this day forward, my language is changing. From this day forward, what comes in on that television is changing. From this day forward, what comes to that smartphone is changing. From this day forward, the people that I'm with are changing. I will not defile myself. Oh, this is one of those churches that believes what the Bible Oh, you want me to be different. No, friend, it's not that I want you to be different. The Bible commands us to be different. And if we want to be spared the judgment of God, I just think that God looks down and says, well, everybody looks the same. Well, there's one that's different. Maybe get living a day-to-day where I'm more concerned with not defiling myself than I am the number of social media followers I have. Like today, we have some who grew up in Christian homes, and they want to run out and show everybody how quickly they can show everybody, I'm not like I used to be. Like we can put a badge of honor on defiled. But yet we want God's judgment to be held back. I know it's Sunday morning, but do we want to know what Daniel, what made Daniel great? It was because he separated himself from the world's defilement. He decided. He decided. You know what needs to take place in our life? A decision. I'm deciding this is what I'm going to do. I'm deciding this is what I'm not going to do. Christian, if you've never decided I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this, you need to do it today. Otherwise, your mood will decide for you. Your emotions will decide for you. Your crowd will decide for you. You must decide. I see number two, he was surrounded by the right companions. If you continue to study in the book of Daniel, you know that when we get to chapter number two, Daniel is faced with some difficulty. He's already been established. He's established. I'm going to, I purpose in my heart, I'm not going to defile myself. He, because of that, he's been elevated in the kingdom. And now the king has had a dream that not only can he not interpret, he can't even remember what he dreamed. And he has issued a decree to all of the wise men that you need to tell me what my dream means. And they're like, we're on it. Tell me the dream so we can interpret it. I, don't, I can't remember the dream. And if you can interpret it, you didn't, then you probably can figure out what it was, even though we're telling you, then I'll know that it's really what it means. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you all anyway. So no pressure. Daniel gets word of this, and he's like, what happened? So what does Daniel do? We find in chapter number 2, look at verse number 14. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? 
Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and Googled. Then Daniel went to his house and called. No, Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You'll recognize them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace, his companions, that they would desire mercies of God, the God of heaven, concerning the secret. And Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Why is it that Daniel found grace in God's eyes? Why is it that God used Daniel as an example of who he would spare? Well, he was surrounded by the right companions. Friend, you won't hear it at other places, but I'll be honest enough to tell you, who you surround yourself with will make or break you. There's a reason why the Apostle Paul wrote, who did hinder you? So, well, well, does it really matter who my friends are? I don't know if it's a life or death situation. Do you want them praying for you? Well, is it really a big deal who all my friends and my companions, my acquaintances are? I don't know. If, if, if literally your life is lingering between life and death, think about who your closest friends are. Would you trust their prayers to keep you alive? How about your child? Those friends you just can't let go who you know are doing you no good spiritually. Because you really, you're not going to be able to live in two worlds. Would you, would you, well, let's just put it this way. Maybe we should choose our companions. Based on this scenario. If I ever get in that life and death situation, do the people I've surrounded myself with, can I trust them, can I depend on them to get through to God? Maybe we choose our companions a little bit differently. I say this, I say this often, it is certainly true, and I think it would apply. That's why it matters where you go to church. Well, we get our worship on. Well, that's good. But when you've got to get a hold of heaven... I don't think you want shallow people. Our pastor's so relatable. I say this often, and some of you, I think you're going to put it on my tombstone. When it comes to life and death situations, you don't want a dude as your pastor. You want somebody who can actually get a hold of God. Every child needs mom and dad who can pray. Every parent needs a child who can pray. We as God's people need, need companions. It doesn't mean you, 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 your personalities always mesh. It doesn't mean that you always spend time together. It doesn't even mean that this, everybody's got to be your fishing buddy. But I want to be surrounded by people who when I know that I need somebody on my behalf to get a hold of God, can get a hold of God for me. 
He was surrounded by the right companions. We know they were the right companions because God gave him the answer, but we know they were the right companions because if we read through the book of Daniel, we find their stand, their willingness to give their own life. We find them walking in that fiery furnace with the Son of God. Those are the kind of people that I want around me. Now, it's not very popular, but see, when you've already purposed that you're not going to defile yourself, your companions kind of choose, you, you kind of choose each other. Number three, I've got to move on. I've got a little bit extra today. And I did have an extra cup of coffee this morning, so you'll just have to bear with me. Number three, I find in the life of Daniel, he was sensitive to God's leading. Chapter number five in the book of Daniel Let's look at verse 10 and 11. Now, Belshazzar is now the king, and this is a well-known story if you know the book of Daniel. He's now the king after Nebuchadnezzar, and he, he goes and gets all the vessels out of the temple, brings them to a party. And they're drinking wine out of the vessels of the temple, and they're partying and everything that you can imagine in a pagan Babylonian empire. And then lo and behold, in the middle of that, there's a hand that appears and begins to write on the wall. This is where that phrase comes from, the writings on the wall. There's a hand that is writing on the wall in a language that could not be understood. Belshazzar, understandably, wants to know what it is. Now look at verse 10. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Belshazzar didn't know what to do, but the queen came and said, I've heard of this one named Daniel who can tell he has told. He was in charge of all of the wise men after what he, what he did for Nebuchadnezzar. If you call on him, he can tell you. And certainly we know the story. He comes in and he tells him the judgment that was to come. But Daniel's reputation came about because he was sensitive to the voice of God. He was sensitive to his leading. He had interpreted dreams by the voice of God. His reputation in that regard had preceded him, and we must be sensitive to his leading. Now, you're not going to hear an audible voice of God. I was just walking, I heard a voice of God, and God said to me, no, no, that was not God. He speaks to us today through His Word. He leads us by His Spirit. If you're saved this morning, if you're a child of God, the Spirit of God dwells within you. The same one who impressed upon holy men the writing of the Word of God. And so He leads you by His Spirit. Just as I said earlier, I think in a day of God's judgment, we need to be reminded of how important it is for us to decide not to defile ourselves. We must also come to a place where we decide that we're going to be sensitive to God's leading. And if God impresses upon us 
something, then we need to listen to what he says. For I, I would dare say that uh, probably already uh, the Spirit of God is probably impressing on us. If we haven't decided not to defile ourselves, we need to do that. If the Spirit of God is leading you to, oh, I don't know, become part of His church, then you probably should do that. Certainly, if the Spirit of God is leading you to trust Christ for salvation, you need to do that. Because if you don't get that settled, nothing else matters. And by the way, you're not going to find the leading of God from a Facebook poll, from Google, from Aunt Susie. I don't know if you've got an Aunt Susie, but if you do, the Spirit of God should be talking to you right now. You know, we're going to find it by His Word. It's amazing to me how many Christians say, I just don't know what God wants for me, and you're not reading this. It's amazing to me to say, Pastor, I, I think this is what God wants, and there's no relationship with this book. Without this book, I don't know what God wants. But matter of fact, that's why you need to be under Bible preaching. Because God sends His Word, His message, where He tells us to be. Underneath the preaching of His Word. Now, said so number three, He was sensitive to God's leading. I move on, number four. Why is it in a day of judgment that God referenced Noah, Daniel, Job. What is it that made Daniel so great? Number four, he was surrendered to God's will. And before I read from Daniel chapter number six, let me just say, surrendering to God's will is more than just coming down to an altar and bowing the knee and say, God, I surrender to you. That's important. That's important for us to give in and say, God, my life is yours, whatever you want from me. But I hate to break it to you this morning, that's the easy part. He was surrendered to God's will. This is what we know what Daniel is most famous for, Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed... What writing? The writing that was signed that if you prayed to any other God, or you were forbidden to pray to any other God, when he knew it was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in the chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. You know the story. They go to the king, and the king was not happy because he had decreed that you were not to pray to any other God and got Daniel, and, 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 and he had to do it, and he loved Daniel, but he had to do what was decreed, and he threw, he cast Daniel into the den of lions. We like the idea of saying, bless God, I'm going to pray no matter what. I'll be at the house of God. What if the government tells you you can't? 
Well, I'm going to be a witness. What if your school tells you you can't? It's easy to say, this is what we ought to do, this is what I'm going to do. But the lion's den isn't quite as easy to surrender to, is it? But you think about God in heaven. Think about Daniel. Daniel's life had not been fair up to this point. A foreign army had come into his land and literally took him and those like him out of their beds. We don't know anything about his family, but likely they were killed. He would never see home again. He would never see or have the things fulfilled that every little boy that day, their dream to do. He had been cast into another land. Well, he had not lived a fair life. But think about what God must have thought. When the decree was, don't pray to any other God. And what did Daniel do? He did what he did every day. He went and he opened the windows so the world could see him pray to his God. See, it was a testimony before the decree. It, 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 was a, it, was, it was a habit before the degree. It was a testimony after. It was a surrender after. Well, he, what was he doing? When he prayed, he was surrendering to whatever the consequences were. When he defied, he was surrendering to whatever the consequences were. This is where many Christians are making the mistake today. And please hear me. My desire is to help all of us this morning because God's judgment is real. And if we just keep our eyes open, what is taking place in our day is the judgment of God. The message needs to change today. Judgment is coming. No, judgment, I believe, is here. Doesn't mean more can't follow, but it's here. And if I want to find grace, and yes, God is long-suffering, and God is gracious, and, and there's, there's formulas in His Word of what His children should do, and the effects it can have on an entire nation... But if America has crossed the point, as Ezekiel prophesied, and God said, there's no coming back from this, I am going to destroy the land. But if Daniel were here, I'd spare him. Maybe this is where we are in our nation, and as God pours out his judgment, there's nothing that can change this, but I'll spare And as it crumbles around us, may God's people find grace and mercy and blessing and prosperity in the midst of God's judgment. But there's a reason why God said Noah, Daniel, and Job. I believe for the child of God who really wants that, they will look and say, what is it about Noah? What is it about Daniel? What is it about Job? This morning we're looking at Daniel and we see that he was surrendered to God's will. Whatever the consequences are, that's what you and I need to be surrendered to. But sadly, this is what we do many times. Like, well, what's that going to cost me? 
If it comes to surrendering to God's will, it doesn't matter. Number five, and I'm done. He was steadfast in his walk. Chapter 9 and verse 3. A lot has happened between chapter number 1 and chapter number 9. Different kings have sat on the throne. Kingdom have been destroyed and kingdoms set up. A lot has taken place. We find in Daniel chapter 9, verse number 3, in a, in, a, in a world that is changing, kings, armies, victories, defeat, in the world that is changing, we find a constant. In Daniel chapter 9, and verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting in sackcloth and ashes. Daniel's still praying. Daniel's still seeking God. Something tells me that if he's seeking by prayer, supplications, and fasting, and sackcloth, and ashes, he still has not defiled himself. He's still surrendered to God's will. Matter of fact, if you read chapter 9 to the end of the book, the book ends with Daniel in prayer, communicating with God. Daniel was the same from beginning to end. Now, I thank God that God is a gracious God. God's a merciful God. God's a long-suffering God. And if you get away from the Lord, He's the Father who will welcome you back home. When you fall, you don't have to stay there. You can get up and He'll restore you. And by the way, you don't need the, in, the approval of the majority of the brethren either. That's right. That's right. He, he's, he's long-suffering. He's merciful. He's gracious. That is our God. But would be we as God's people will determine when we say I'm starting, I'm, I'm going to serve, I'm surrendered, I'm, make, I'm purposing in my heart that nothing changes in our life until the end. Let me challenge you, if today's the day, you're going to decide. If you never decided that you're not going to defile yourself, may today you say, I'm going to purpose in my heart that I'm going to follow this book as my instruction. I'm not going to defile myself by, 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 by this world. And from this day to the day you take your last breath, may you be steadfast. May you be the same. May you never change. May you never waver. May you never falter in your walk with the Lord. Determine that no matter what, I am going to stay true to my God. He was steadfast in his walk. You know what we need more than rhetoric? A walk. We have in the political realm, we have a lot of good speech givers. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'll fight Washington, D.C., Elect me and I'll do this. If we just judge politicians by their speeches, they probably wouldn't have a 12% approval rating. 
I mean, think about it. We have a less chance of getting food poisoning from a gas station frozen burrito than our politicians actually doing what they said they were going to do. Where all that came from, I don't know, but you can just think on that the rest of the day. My point is this. The speech doesn't get it done. There's a lot of Christians who can give a lot of good speeches. What's the walk like? Day in, day out. Day in, day out. From a child, Daniel never lived one day from a child, from childhood to the end of his life, where he was not under pagan rule. The slogan was not, in God we trust. But yet his walk was steadfast. Mom and Dad, you know what your home needs for you to be steadfast. Walk with God today. Walk with God tomorrow. Forgive me. I just love, love her. Who is steadfast? I don't remember a lecture, although there was a lot of them. But I remember a steadfast life. You know what changed this world? For God's people, there's purpose in their heart. I'm not going to defile myself. And it's more than just an emotional time in a service. If God stirs my heart to make that decision, I'm going to make it. And tomorrow I may not feel as excited about it, but I'm still going to do what I determined to do. And the world may change around me, and the decree may come that this is what, not what you do anymore, and this isn't tolerated, and, and, and this is hate speech, and this is all the things that come down, and you say, well, none of that matters. I committed to my God, and I'm going to get up today, and I'm going to walk with Him. And I might be a little discouraged the next day, but I'm still going to get up and walk with Him. And I might have a heavy burden, but I may still get up and I'm going to walk with him. It's a steadfast walk. I believe in my whole heart this world is waiting for God's people to be what they say they are. To do what they say they're going to do. And just say, I have a relationship with my God that is different from this world. It is worth me 
walking away from a lifestyle so that I can have a relationship with my God. It is worth me saying no to a promotion at work because it will hinder my walk with the Lord. It is worth me being ostracized from my friends and family because I am going to spend time with my God. If this world would see lives like that, if this world would see individuals who would say, I don't care what this world has to offer, today I'm getting up to spend time with my God. I'm going to please Him. I'm going to serve Him. Then maybe, then maybe there would come a time as judgment comes from God, people would say, what are we going to do? God might impress upon their heart and their mind. Remember so-and-so? That used to live down the street. How about so-and-so who works down the hall? To think that God might would use us as an example. Judgment came, and God said there's no turning back from it. But if Noah were here, I'd spare Noah. If Job were here, I'd spare Job. If Daniel was here, I'd spare Daniel. I want God to spare me. That's a logical desire, don't you think? And we would probably all be on the same page as far as that goes. What am I willing to do? Or let me say it like this. Am I willing to live like Daniel lived in order for God, in the midst of judgment, to give grace, mercy, and even blessing? This morning, as we consider these truths, would you let the Spirit of God work in your own heart? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to heed the Spirit's leading today and realize your need of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a church that can save you. There's not a religious man that can do a thing for you, but only through Christ can we find salvation. Christian, have you, has there been a time when you've purposed? You've purposed. You've decided, I'll not defile myself. Maybe you can look in your past and say, well, it's too late. No, no, it's today. From this day forward, I will not defile myself. I'm not going to defile myself with, the, with this, this world's lifestyle, with this world's, with this world's education, with this world's entertainment, this world's music, this world's philosophy. I will not defile myself. Perhaps today's the day you need to say, you know, I'm going to surrender to his will. No matter what the consequence, no matter what the cost, I'm surrendering to do his will. I'm going to listen to his leading. I'm going to be sensitive to it. And may we determine that all of our days, all of our days, we'll walk with him. Father, I pray that you would use your